you this morning in the mighty and magnificent name of Jesus. Father, we pray that as as the voices have gone forward, Lord, that you are smiling from heaven. God, we need you more now than we've ever needed you before. Father, remove this sickness from our land, God. Bring your healing power over this land. Father, we pray that the sick would be made well in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that sickness would not come upon our nation no longer, Lord, that you would protect your people. Father, that you would protect the people that follow you, God, that you would protect us all and heal us all, God. Father, we pray for for quick recovery, Lord. God, we're desperately calling out to you today. Father, I know I'm not the only pastor that's doing it. I know there's thousands of pastors and, and Christians all over the earth today that are crying out to you to heal our land, God. God, let this be a time of renewal. Let this be a time of reflection where we realize the ways that we've done you wrong. Yes, Lord. That we would live according to your word, God. Yes, that we wouldn't live against your word, God. That you would be able to heal this land. Father, I pray specifically right now for people that are watching this live stream. If there's anybody that's watching that's discouraged right now, I pray that you would encourage them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, if there's anybody that has a a physical need, Lord, I pray that you would meet it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I, I pray for anybody that's sick right now, Lord, I pray that you would heal them in the name of Jesus. Father, whatever families might be going through turmoil, just bring, bring your healing power upon it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated at home if you would. It'd be fantastic as the worship team clears out. The worship team is actually not even staying today um, just because we really want to do the best that we can to um, stick with the guidance. and limit our exposure to each other as well. And so if you recognize any of these worship team people, I want to encourage you to send them a Facebook message or a text and just thank them for coming down and leading us in worship today. It's such a treasure to have um, have live worship one with another. And so thank them. Also, our tech team is down here today. We have got Tucker, Jody, and Kyle. They're leading the charge And so after the worship team leaves, it will just be the tech team and my wife because I, excuse me, and Pastor Todd, because he's got to do some other stuff as well. Um, Because I, man, I just, I got to, just personally, I can't stand this, man. It's, it's really, really difficult for me. For those of you that know me and I'm your pastor, I am your atypical extrovert. I thrive around people. And when I'm not around people, I'm like a plant inside of a closet. I, I just feel like I'm dying. And so... Uh, pray for your pastor. Uh, my, my wife is dealing with me just fine, being cooped up with me at home. But um, I, I love the, the things that I love about being a pastor are the people. I love coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. I love going to events. I, I love meeting with people throughout the week. And, and so I just want to make sure that you guys know that I, I miss you desperately. I don't know when this is going to be fixed. I don't know when this is going to be done, but I cannot wait for it to be done and we can be back together. Um, I want to encourage you, if you're watching 
watching online on YouTube right now, would you please hit that subscribe button? Would you hit that like button? And if you're watching on YouTube and every time you watch on YouTube, make a comment, however small, say great sermon, say thanks. Like it doesn't have to be a long comment because when you comment and you like and you subscribe, it boosts the video so we can get the word out to more people. Because once we crest over that thousand subscriber, then all of a sudden we could start ending up uh, on trending or those types of places. And so uh, what you do virtually is evangelism. So please, please, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, make a comment today, and let's see if we can get over a thousand subscribers and get the word out. We'll continue to grow it. Amen. Um, No one said amen. (laughs) Honey, you got to give me some amens here. You're the only amener. All right. Thank you. Okay. I need your help. I'm preaching to an empty room. All right. Let's pray over this message. Father God, We love you, we praise you, we glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Lord, would you speak through this word today, God? Let it be timely, let it be to our hearts today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, uh, we are going to be in a, a, a chapter of Scripture that I would say that most pastors would never choose to preach on because it's just kind of a dirty story. It's just not good at all. And this is why we preach through the Bible is because when you preach through the Bible, you never skip over anything and you always have to address stuff. And so today, as you're watching this, uh, whether if you're a part of Faith and Victory, you're like, all right, this is normal for us. If you're not part of Faith and Victory, you might think like, man, this seems odd. We've been pe- we preached through 1 Samuel. It took a little bit over a year. We've been in 2 Samuel. I don't care what's going on with the world. We're going to continue to have church. I can't preach about a virus every single week. It just gets boring. I want to go into the Word of God because the Word of God is what we need in this season to feed us and guide us. And so here we are in... 2 Samuel chapter 13, I'm going to read the whole entire chapter. It's going to take me a a few minutes to do that, but you can follow along because I believe that it's not good to not read scripture, um, but I also think it's good to cover everything. We're not going to cover every scripture in this chapter, obviously, because it's not the whole thing, but we are going to cover chapter 13 and move on because I don't want to stay here any longer than we need to. All right, so here we go. 2 Samuel 13, after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the uh, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister that Tamar, his sister Tamar, that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper, there's the title of the sermon, for Amnon to do anything to her, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab the son of Shemiah, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he said to him, why are are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, lie down in your bed, pretend to be ill, and when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I might eat eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar saying, now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made, made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. 
And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into your bedroom that I might eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes, which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother in the bedroom. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, no, my brother, do not force me for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? As for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than her, he forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, rise, be gone. So she said to him, no, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other one that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, here, put this woman out from uh, away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel and his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. And then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, as Amnon, your brother, been with you, but now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not make this, take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry and Absalom spoke to his brother and Amnon, neither good nor bad for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Let me just recap real quick before we get to the next part. It's very clear. Amnon had a sister named Tamar. He forced his way with her, and he shouldn't have done that. Uh, Jonadab was his cousin, and Jonadab helped him to come up with a plan to be able to take advantage of his sister. Verse 23, and it came to pass after two full years that after it was two years later, Absalom had sheep shears in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, kindly note, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go. And he blessed him. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants saying, watch now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. When I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass while they were on the way that news came to David saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground. And all of his servants stood by with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose they have killed all the young men for the king's sons. Only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now, therefore, let not my lord, the king, take this thing to heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. Then Absalom fled, and the young man who was keeping watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, look, the king's sons are coming, just as your servant said, so it is. So what as soon as he had finished speaking that the king's sons indeed came and they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and there were three and was there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom for he had been comforted concerning Amnon because he was dead. Man, this is a story, isn't it? I mean, this is... uh, 
This is, I mean, the, the curve of the story is very easy. This guy has his way with his sister. His brother doesn't like it. He ends up killing him because of what he did to his sister. These are both King David's son. King David is, is distraught because of this. Absalom flees. It's just, it's a hard story. Now, why is this story in the Bible? This is, this is what I was really struggling with this week as I was going over this scripture. I know many of you are working from home this week. I was still working, uh, still on the phone and, and still uh, writing my sermon and, and reflecting. And, and this story is a disgusting, shameful story. Uh, I, I would prefer it to not be in the Bible uh, just because of how disgusting that it is. But the Bible is a real book that talks about real issues that really happens to people. Uh, sadly, this story is not exceptional in the sense that stuff like this happens in families to this day. Uh, sexual abuse is something that is uh, happening in American families today. I know that many of you probably have been uh, a, a part of, of this in your own family experience. And, and this story speaks to you and says uh, a lot. It says to the, to the predator, it says, get the sin out of your life. Quit treating people this way. But it also says to the victim, uh, God identifies with you and, and he brings recompense and redeeming power through his word. Now, clearly in this story, Tamar is the victim and Amnon is 100% the predator. You cannot paint this story any other way. Now, Jonah Jonadab is a contributor. It says that he was a friend uh, to Amnon, but by his uh, by what it says that his dad was David's brother, then that means that he, it was his cousin. He, so Jonadab is actually a contributor in this story, and Absalom is the definition of going Old Testament on somebody. Uh, Absalom is the one that says, you know what, you're going to suffer by the word of God and you're going to be destroyed for your sin. Uh, Leviticus 18 lays out all of the, the guidelines and commands for sexual purity of Israel. And in this, Amnon violated those uh, standards that God has for sexual purity. God's standards of sexuality are one man, one woman married together, any sex outside of that is an abomination to God. And so God desires that our sexuality would be confined to one man, one woman in a marriage relationship. And that's outlined in Leviticus 18. Uh, Deuteronomy 22 also talks about sexual sin. And it talks about how a man that does this is deserving of death. And so Amnon got his just reward in that what he did was so shameful and so disgraceful that he deserved to die for what he did. And so it's biblical. Now, God hates all sin. God hates sin of the thought and sin of the action. God hates things that are sexual in nature and he hates things that are stealing and words. He hates all those types of things. But this one is exceptionally heinous. And it says a lot. There's a lot that we could touch on it. And I hope that you can understand that you know, we read through these 39 verses because we're not going to spend weeks talking about a story of this nature. I, I just don't want to do it. This is one of those chapters, again, that most pastors aren't going to even preach on because it's just not fun. It's not, it's not a, a fun, encouraging scripture that, that you come away and you just be like, man, that's such a great story. I'm so inspired. But we're going to try to turn it a little bit so that we can get something positive from it. Amen. And here's the short version of the sermon. When you go against God's stated commands and follow your own desires, it results in bad things. Yeah. 
That's it. That, that's the whole entire story. If you go against the way that God designed things, bad things happen and it's not good. So you want to do things God's way. So I got uh, a few points we're going to touch on this morning. And the first point is this. Do not follow your desires. Don't follow your desires. The beginning of this story is found in the heart of Amnon. In verse 2, it says, Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. Here's the title of the sermon. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. He knew it was wrong. He worked his way to get his way, and he went so far to enlist his cousin to help him. And sexual immorality, understand this, church, sexual immorality predates the law. But before the Levitical law was put forth, you read in the book of Genesis and it, and it's very clear that, that there's no sexual immorality that's allowed in, in God's world. Interestingly enough, even before the law of Moses, the people of Genesis still understood that sexual immorality was wrong. And so make no mistake, Amnon knew that this was wrong, but what happened was, is he got caught up in his desires. And that, that's how it worked. He, he got something in his head that went through his eyes and he took it so far and he said, you know what? This desire is going to rule me. This desire is going to be the means by which I'm going to get what I want. And so in that moment, he didn't squash his desire. He fed, he fed the flames of his desire and did everything that he could to get that which was inside of his heart. And that's where desire starts. It starts in your mind and in your heart. And he went against that and he followed those desires instead of following what he knew to be right and just and holy. He followed his desires. This is, this is described in James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. It says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. For then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown brings forth death. And that's where all sin starts. If, you, if you've ever fallen into sin, and I'll be one of the first people to say it, I know I've fallen into sin in my Christian life. And before I was a Christian, I fell into sin. Sin crouches at the door of, of the saint just as much as the sinner. And, and we get enticed by it. And, and I know in my own life, the way that it always starts is it starts with a thought. And I don't know where thoughts come from. They're just intrusive thoughts that come from the devil or the world or things that go through your eyes or in a, a song or a movie or anything else. Yeah. And that thought comes in and instead of taking captive that thought and casting it down, you, you feed it and you dwell on it and you start to fantasize about it. And the next thing you know, you put your, put your uh, whole entire uh, passion behind it to try to make that thing come to pass, regardless of what it may be. Now, if you're here this morning, you're, you're not here this morning, but this would be one of those moments in my preaching when I would say to you, can I get an amen, please? So, say, so thank you. The tech team's amen in me. Thank you. I would ask you to amen that because if you were really honest with yourself, you would say that that's where most of the times that you've fallen into sin, it was the same thing. A thought came in your mind, you gave yourself over to the thought, and then the thought became a desire, and the desire became an action. Thoughts, feelings, desires, they come, and they come from the flesh. And here's the deal. When they come, you have a decision. Am I going to follow this basal, sexual, uh, fleshly instinct, or am I going to follow the Word of God? Yeah. I will tell you, friend, you cannot trust the heart. Yeah. 
And hear me, just because you have a desire does not mean that God wants you to act on it. And then this is so uh, opposite to what the world teaches. The world says, follow your desires. The world says, follow what you want. The world says, do whatever you want. But that's not what the word of God teaches. The word of God says that the heart is wicked and it cannot be trusted. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is why our Savior uh, uh, said that men's hearts were wicked. Jesus even said that that this is where sin originates. It it, it originates inside of the heart. Mark 7, 21 through 22, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. It's the heart. And the heart unconstrained and unchecked will do selfish things. This is why in in this day and age you have to have laws that are making people try to stay away from other people because uh, people just, if someone says, hey, it'd probably be a good idea to stay away from people, people won't follow it because they're selfish. They just think about themselves. This is the reason why they have to put signs that say you can only buy one package of toilet paper or you can only buy one package of of, uh, tuna fish or whatever it is because given to themselves, people don't think about other people. They only think about themselves because the heart is deceitfully wicked. Now, what does it mean to you? Are you more inclined to follow your heart than the word of God? Now, this is such an important point. I don't want you to miss it. Pay very close attention because as a pastor, I will tell you that, 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 I know many people that claim to be Christians, but when the rubber meets the road and push comes to shove and, and they're moving forward in something in their lives, they follow their desires and they don't follow what the word of God says. Yes. And then they say, well, I, I, I want to follow this desire to do this thing. And it has, it has no semblance of being connected to the word of God, but they choose to follow their hearts and then they justify it and they say, well, I feel this way. It must be what God wants me to do. Hear the sermon, hear my heart, hear the word of God this morning. Do not follow your desires. Don't follow your desires. At what point do you come to the realization what I am desiring is not what God commands or requires? And when it comes, what do you do? What do you do? Because that's the story of Amnon here is that there's always a decision point. There's a fork in the road. And Amnon had a fork in the road where he could say, I'm going to follow what the word of God says, or I'm going to follow what my desires are. And I know that this is a despicable, shameful, disgusting story that we're talking about today. And don't go so far as to justify yourself and say, well, I would never do anything like that. So this small desire that goes against the word of God, God's going to look the other way. That's not true at all. God, God sees sin as sin, and so this story is able to, to, to put a light on our own hearts and say, what kind of small sins do we have that we minimize and we justify before the, before the Lord and say, you know what, I'm just going to follow my desire. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. Hebrews 3.12 says, beware, brethren, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that's what happens is that this little sin comes in and you build a fire around it and you get comfort inside of it. And then, and then next thing you know, you no longer believe in God. You, you no longer live according to the scriptures. You're just living to yourself. And you have to watch yourself because an evil heart can get you to depart from God. And it's where it starts. It's, it's no different in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. When they said, well, did God really say? 
Like what, what did he really mean by that? Did, did he really desire that for me at all? Don't trust your heart. Don't trust your thoughts. Trust God's holy, unchanging word. Because if you don't trust in God's word and you follow your desires, it will turn into full-blown rebellion against God. And then you'll find yourself in rebellion, your relationships in disrepair, and you'll say, man, how did I get to this place? It's because you followed that, that, that little seed, that little seed of rebellion, that little seed of desire and went against God's word. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. I want you to be prepared to go before God and answer for staying true to his word and sticking to his ways. Selfish desire ruins relationship. It only produces death. Desire can ruin your life. It can ruin your life. It really can. Little things that you see as benign can just destroy you. Now, let me bring some levity for this for a second. If you're anything like me, and you've been staying a lot at home, I, now, I am a natural eater. I, it's very easy for me to eat. I have an insatiable appetite for calories. Uh, and I have lost probably like 25 pounds in the last three years. I'm doing everything that I can to keep it off. But my wife will tell you that I can eat. I can eat when I'm not hungry. Um, I can eat after I ate. Uh, the, the off switch is far, far away in my life. And so one of the challenges that I've been having with, with staying at home is it's really easy to not go in the pantry when you're not at home. It's really easy to not uh, go grab a, a handful of whatever, go eat whatever, go to the refrigerator when you're not at home. And it has been an exercise for me to show restraint uh, during the last couple weeks that I've been at home. Now, I, I, I normally eat healthy. I eat a lot of proteins and fruits and vegetables. But I got a sweet tooth, man. It is easy for me to eat dark chocolate. It's easy for me to eat anything fried or bready. Uh, I mean, if the softer and sugar, sugary it is, I'm in. Can I get an amen? Throw me an amen. <laughs> and so here's what happens. And, and this is why I think the Bible is so clear that self-control is important is that even in this season of learning self-control in my eating, it moves over into self-control in other areas of my life. Yeah. And, if I, and if I took this season, however long that it is, to just indulge myself and say, well, it doesn't matter, I'll deal with it later. I could, we, we talked about this at dinner last night with my kids. My, my son said, let's have a contest and see how much weight we can gain in the next week. And I said, son, I could gain 15 pounds this week. I guarantee it. He said, how would you do it? I said, pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. Pancakes with peanut butter, man. I guarantee it. What is this? So I can have 15 by Sunday, no problem. But that's what desire does. I joke about it with pancakes, but you turn around and you're like, man, what did I do? Now I'm 15 pounds heavier because of desire. I was looking last night, uh, I was going to buy a, a brand new vehicle, a Yukon, right? 0% financing, I said to my wife. It's basically like a savings plan because it's 0% financing. It's only sixty or $70,000. She said, honey, no, just go buy a pair of shoes or something. <laughs> you follow desire and then you turn around, you've got a $1,300 car payment. You're like, what did I do? Amnon was killed. Tamar's virginity was destroyed. All because Amnon followed his desire and didn't follow God. 
Here's what you do. You pump yourself full of God's word and follow what it says, whether you agree with it or not. This is why I believe things that the world does not believe. This is why I do things that the world doesn't do. This is why I don't feel the need to explain to the world how I live my life. Because I'm going to live my life according to the word of God. I'm going to do whatever it says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And then I pray that God will change my heart to have his desires and his passions. But don't let your heart be the litmus test. Don't follow it. It's wicked. It will lead you astray. Follow the word. Follow the word of God. It will never lead you astray. You may not make friends through it. The world may not agree with you because of it. But you will please God. If God says do it, do it. If God says don't do it, don't do it. Everything. And you may agree with me now. But you got to understand, for those of you that are watching that are members of Faith and Victory, when push comes to shove, I will say it to your face. When you come to me and you're, and you're talking about something that's going on, I will tell you exactly what God's Word says about your situation. Yeah. And I've lost relationships because people don't want to hear what the Word of God says about their situation because I won't identify with their feelings. Yeah. Your feelings, however valid you may think that they are, you have to line your life up with the word of God, not with your desires. And it will cost you relationships, especially if you don't follow people's hearts with them. Proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way that seems right to a man, but in its end, its way is death. Here's the second part that you've got to understand about this story is that your choices affect other people. Your choices affect other people. I'm not an island to myself. I have a wife and I have kids and I have friends. I have a church family. And if I choose to follow my desires and destroy my life, there's a ripple effect that happens in other people's lives. I don't, no one lives as an island unto themselves. This, this idea that you are your own person, you can live however you want, is a lie from the pit of hell. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ. You are bound by your commitment to Christ and His church to live your life in a way that's pleasing to Him. And how you live affects other people. How you live affects other people. God is not the author of this story in the sense that He did not make Amnon do this. I don't believe it at all. He didn't cause this and he didn't do it. God does not make people take advantage of people in this way. But this is a great story to demonstrate the free will of man and how free will of one person affects other people. Now God is sovereign. He can and he will forgive and repair and love and redeem. But hear me church, the same God that is blessing you is not the same God that is making other people assault you to treat you a lesson. That's not how God works. God doesn't kill and assault people so that he can teach his people something. Not at all. That's people's free will that they use to go and destroy other people. Now the Bible says that he can turn all things together for good. And so God can turn those things around, but he is not the author of those things. Look at free will here. Okay. Verse three, but Amnon had a friend. (laughs) Someone, well, I don't know how you could classify this as a friend, some friend he had. The truth is Jonadab chose to not act. He chose to contribute to this assault. Jonadab, if he was a true friend, he should have punched Amnon in the face and said, bro, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, man? This is, this is bad. This is against God. This is going to hurt Tamar. This is your sister. This is my cousin. Don't do this. 
No, that's what he should have done. He should have said to him, brother, what you are going to do is going to affect others. Think about your own life. If you would have had someone in your life before you went and made a bad decision that affected other people's lives, what if you had a friend that stood there and said, you know what, don't do this. How different would your life be? But this is what sin does. It entices you to think that it won't hurt anyone what you're going to do when in fact it destroys everyone around you. Do you remember back in chapter 12, verse 14, it says you had given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme God. That's, that's what they said against David for what he did with Bathsheba. How many, how many of you have, have been around people that you're trying to share Christianity with and their biggest complaints are pastors that have done things wrong or people that in the church that have done them wrong or parents that said that they were Christians and they abused them? They, they use that as an occasion to blaspheme God because other people's free will affects other people. It's, it's true. You know it in your own life. There's no individual plan. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your church, your nation. None of us are to live to ourselves. The truth is Satanism is living to yourself. That's the definition of worshiping Satan because Satanism is the worship of self and selfishness. David in this story chose to not pay attention. He really could have discerned better why Amnon wanted his sister. He could have chose some other path. And there will be after effects from it. Huge, huge after effects because of the sin. Look at what it did to the relationship with David and Absalom. And we're going to get into Absalom and the relationship's even going to get worse. Job 4.8, first book ever written in the Bible. Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. You cannot sow iniquity and expect fruit. It just doesn't work that way. If you sow iniquity, you will receive iniquity. What does it mean to you, friend? Do not lie to yourself and say that your choices don't affect those around you. Don't do that. That's a lie. Anybody that told you that you're your own person uh, was lying to you. You are connected to your family. You are connected to wherever you work. You're connected to your church. You're connected to your community. You're connected to your school. You're connected to your nation. We, we're all interconnected. We, I mean, is this not a time when we can actually see how interconnected we really are? That anybody's choices can affect everybody else, but people want to live with this selfish mindset that says, well, I should be able to do whatever I want. I should be able to live however I want. It's just not the truth. The only outcome from selfishness and sin is death. And woe be to you for the sin that causes death in some other person. Can you imagine you committing a sin and God will forgive that sin, but maybe that sin that you commit makes another person either not want to serve God or turn away from God. And then they don't make heaven because of the way that you've lived your life. Jesus even said in Matthew 8, 16, excuse me, 18, 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, talking about children, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned into the depths of the sea. That's what loving Jesus says. He says, rather than you turn one of these children away from me, it would be better for you to have a rock around your neck and you be thrown into the sea. That would be better. It'd be better for you to die than to turn somebody else away. That's a challenging scripture, man. It really is. 
And, and what it should do is, you, if you say, man, that scripture's kind of rough, good. It, it should challenge your heart to look and say, the next time that you have a, a desire that goes into your brain and you have an opportunity to live a certain way, that you say, you know what, I want to honor God because I don't want to be held responsible for my choices to affect somebody else. Yeah. Don't spend, spend your life for yourself. Think about how your choices affect others. If you divorce your spouse, it will affect your kids. Ask me how I know. I come from a divorced family. Now, uh, I'm not getting into all those details, but I'm just saying, like, divorce affects everybody. When you, when, you're, when you decide to lip off to your boss and get fired, and you come home and tell your spouse you got fired, your choice affects other people. When you choose to not take care of your health, and then people have to take care of you because of your bad choices, you're affecting other people. Yeah. When, you, when your family loses you as a, as a parent early on in your life because you chose to continue to, to smoke and, and overeat and not take care of your health, that's a choice that affects others. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as though one man, through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. We are all under the curse of sin because of Adam. Thanks, Adam. His choice affected all of us. And so we can't look at it lightly. We can't say, well, it doesn't matter. Now, this is... If you're with me, this has been what's been somewhat frustrating about this virus. People who, who refuse to do what they need to do. Now, I, I have some of my other friends that are, you know, getting all political about the church and everything else. I, I really don't like preaching to a, a room with a handful of people. This is difficult and I don't like it. But I'll tell you, man, that even in the midst of all this, I still would probably have canceled service, even if nobody told me to, because it just makes sense. If I was in charge, I would say the whole planet needs to stay home for 14 days. Everybody. Everybody stays home for 14 days. Go and buy the food that you need and just stay home for 14 days. But people don't want to do that. They want to go and live how they want to live, and they want to go and and, and infect other people, and, and, and it just shows a measure of selfishness because people think what I'm doing doesn't matter because I'm just doing it for myself. It doesn't matter how it affects other people, but that's not right, man. It's just not, not right at all. They want their individualism. They want their freedom. They don't want someone else to tell them what to do. They want to make their own choices, not have someone else make them for them. Make the right choices, have the right outcomes. That's how it works. And here's my third and final point. I want you to stay with me on this. If you stayed with me thus far, I'm, I'm really excited that you're still here with us. Um, in, just a, in just a moment, we're going to get off of this uh, get off of this live stream. We do have bread for those of you that are locally, and so you can start putting on your shoes. Crystal and I are going to be out uh, uh, at the AMC. Stay in your car, please. But we're going to be handing out bread. Uh, we've got about 100 loaves that we can share with you. If you need to come down, even if you don't, come down and stay in your car. But we'd love to see you. I just miss you so desperately. So <clears throat> last point. The last point is this. Just follow the Lord, man. Just follow the Lord. Verse 13, 21. But when the king heard of all these things, he was very angry. Of course he was angry. Because David had just went through a horrible escapade with his own deviancy. And so, of course, he's angry. David had repented of his own sin, but now his own son had fallen in to a, a disgusting sexual sin, which I don't want to get into all of the, uh, uh, the parts of how your sin affects other people. We just talked about that, but I think it's connected to that as well. 
But here's why I think that David was angry at that moment is because I believe that David desired righteousness at that moment. I believe that he desired righteousness for himself and for his family. And I'm sure that he had a righteous indignation because he had, he had gotten rid of the sin in his life. He had, he had repented of his sin before God. And now he sees his son falling into sin. And I, I'm guessing he's probably really angry about that because now he's kind of back to this place that he didn't want to be. I mean, Deuteronomy 13, 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast him. I believe that was the heart of David, that that's how he wanted to live. He had that blip on the radar screen with with Bathsheba, but he fixed that and he moved forward. He should have been, uh, I mean, he should have been in a place where he wouldn't have allowed this uh, to happen in his kingdom. And sadly, it happened. Um, these, these are not obscure demands that the Lord says to follow. Not obscure demands at all. That's not, that's not what he had for his people. And so David desires this to be able to continue with his people, to, to follow the Lord in every area of his life. And, and, and so he's going to move forward as being a righteous king and he's going to lead his nation. But the word to us is, is very clear that we don't follow our desires. Our choices affect other people. The only answer that we have is to follow the Lord. That's all that we have. Follow the Lord. That we could please him with our actions, with our thoughts, with our deeds. And, and really, this is, this is a theme throughout uh, uh, the ministry at Faith and Victory Church. Our goal is to make our life pleasing to him. Inside the church, outside the church, at home, in our communities, at our jobs, online. Everywhere that we go to live our lives that are pleasing to him. Colossians 1.10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing him, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now that, that's a, that's a three point sermon right there in the middle of that, isn't it? Uh, pleasing him, being fruitful, incle- uh, increasing in knowledge. If you do those three things, friend, you will follow the Lord. If you live to please him, that you have fruit in your life that's pleasing to him, and you're increasing in knowledge. Those of you that are watching right now, you're increasing your knowledge. Good job. And so the way that you please him is increase your knowledge and then follow him. You follow him in how you live. And here, here's, a, here's an easy way. And I'm going to help you this morning before we uh, shut this thing down to stay out of sin and follow the Lord. When you have decisions, ask yourself, this is what you ask yourself. Is this against the word of God? And if, it, if it's against the word of God, you don't do it. That's how it works. Secondly, will this please the Lord? And if it won't please the Lord, then don't do it. Just make a choice and say, you know what? I'm not going to do this thing. I'm going to honor God. And I understand that people don't want to do this. They want to live for themselves. They want to follow their own desires. Hear me. Desires cannot be your master. They can't be your master at all. Your heart cannot be your master. The Lord Jesus Christ is your master. The word of God is your master to guide you and and direct you so that that you can follow him and experience the blessings that God has for obedient children that choose to live according to his word. If you were honest with your life, you would know that the, the times in your life when things went astray, it was because you were not following the Lord. And truthfully, this is the reason why many people don't want to follow Jesus because they don't want to give up their own desires. People don't want to give up their own physical desires and sexual desires and financial desires, spiritual, emotional, 
All of these desires get laid down at the foot of the cross. You say, do you want Lord? I had this plan for my life, but I want your plan. God, I had this desire for my life, but I want your desires. I'm not going to live to myself. I'm, I'm not going to live according to you. I, uh, live according to my own desires. I want to live according to you. And it's hard to live those desires, man. It really is. But that's what Christ requires of us. To say, not my will, but yours be done. Believe me, church, your life will be better. You will honor God. Let me show you this scripture before we shut this thing down here. In Jeremiah 7.23, and please stay with us. Don't, uh, don't, don't jump off this yet. Honor God. You ain't got nowhere to be. This is one of those few times I can literally say you have nowhere to be. And you've already binge watched everything. This is the greatest part of your day is just being here online with us. So Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23. I know it's going to be up there, but I'm going to read it. But this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I've commanded you that it may be well with you, that it may be well with you. I'll tell you, man, as a pastor, I have seen people that their lives are under a curse because they refuse to follow the Lord in every area of their life. For some reason, they always lose jobs. Their cars always break down. They're always having physical uh, uh, health problems. They're having emotional problems because they say they want to be a Christian, but they refuse to fully follow God. And, and so they never get any traction in their lives where the answer is only to fully follow God. Christianity is following Jesus, following his desires. It's not about following your own desires to follow him. Here's the last verse, John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Friend, walk with Jesus. Give him everything that you have. Let him make your decisions. Do not follow your desires. Know that your choices affect other people and fully follow him today. Amen. 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 Here's what I want to end this service with today. If you're watching with us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, wherever you may be watching, maybe you're watching a recording that uh, was posted after this service. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a person that follows Jesus, I want to encourage you to make a decision to follow him today. I want to encourage you to give your life to him, to make a decision to follow him, to say, you know what? I want to turn away from my sins and I want to turn towards God. I want to live for him wholly and completely. And if you would cry out to God today and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you and then live for him. The Bible says that you're saved. The Bible says that you're born again. Get a Bible, find a Bible believing church and live for him. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we praise you and we thank you today for this time today that we had uh, together, for this time of worship, for this time of being able to uh, uh, feel your presence and hear your word. God, we pray today that you would be glorified in our lives. God, again, we ask specifically that you would knit the hearts of all the church people in this nation, knit our hearts together during this season where we can't gather physically. God, I pray for those new believers today, God, that they would be redeemed, Lord, that they would be engrafted into your body. God, be with us together 
until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you guys Wednesday at 7. We got Bible studies on Tuesday as well. Make sure you check your Facebook page. We got small groups, virtual small groups. If you want to be part of a small group, send an email to Pastor Todd. You can find his email on the app. I love you guys so much. I miss you. Thank you for uh, being online today. I'll see you later. I love you. Bye. Thank you for watching.